Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff, and today I have a special guest joining us. He's the immediate past chairman of Jazz Art Charlotte, a nonprofit of the Blumenthal, fashion designer, model, judge for Charlotte Fashion Week, and local boutique owner, Todd Album. <laughs> I want to say in a, one breath there, but thank you for having me. <laughs> Honored and uh, grateful to be on your show. Yeah, I'm, I'm honored to have you on the show. I've been really excited to do this. I know I've been talking to a lot of people about this uh, leading up to this recording, so I'm going to really be excited for them to finally get to listen to it when it comes out. So, you know, thank you for taking time to you know take and come on the same show. Really quick, before we hop into it, I want to take a shout out all of our listeners across the world. I just realized a couple of days ago we have listeners in over 50 countries. It's really exciting. Um, you know, thank you guys for continuing to support the show, continuing to like, share, subscribe, and continuing to spread the word and elevate the same show platform. And if you're listening and you don't follow us already, be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter. That's at the same underscore show, S A N E underscore show. Again, Sane underscore show, S-A-N-E underscore show. That's on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can find us on Facebook at The Sane Show. Again, on Facebook, The Sane Show. So today we're going to be talking about jazz and the youth. We're also going to talk about how fashion is deep. That's going to be followed by an interview with Todd so the listeners get to get to learn more about you and your involvement with Jazz Art Charlotte and some of the things related to that as well. So let's go ahead and kick this off. First off, Jazz and fashion both speak the same language. It's a universal language, and it's a language based on individuality. With jazz is a lot of uh, timing, and it's a lot of making the right, taking it to new levels and new heights. It's different, never the same. It's a language in of itself that seasoned musicians kind of figure out once they're playing together. And fashion, the same thing. Everybody has their own their own look, their own feel, their, what keeps them comfortable. And uh, it's an expression of your artistic uh, ability. It's a universal language. Let's start off with jazz, just like you asked. And I'm really glad that uh, we're starting off talking about the youth and talking about uh, children. Because when you're 10, 12, 13 years old, you have so many choices in life. And it could be challenging today being a kid than ever before because you've got so many outlets. That's very true. <laughs> and jazz, jazz is an old soul, basically. Jazz had its roots that go back to slavery days. It was an African-American musical way to create individuality and to ex and freedom of expression. Back in the days when, when slaves came to the United States, they ended in New Orleans. And that's really the birthplace of jazz. Jazz was born in New Orleans in Congo Square. That's what it's called. And it now is mm -hmm. the, of Louis Armstrong, who really took jazz in, 19, in the early 1900s and, and brought it through to what it is today. So jazz appeals to an older crowd in general. Jazz is also one of those things that is very desirable by millennials because it's almost a throwback. It's an old school reinvention of music and jazz has influenced all kinds of music over generations as well. And what's great about jazz is it, it reinvents itself on the contemporary side, but old school jazz that 
Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, John Coltrane, those kinds of things still live, but they it's just harder and harder to keep going. And that's why youth and jazz is so important to keep the, the ideas and, and the music alive. Jazz Art Charlotte is a not-for-profit here in Charlotte. We have a jazz room called the Jazz Room or the mm-hmm. Backstage Theater, and we do tributes to great jazz legends. We also have uh, not only the monthly series at the Jazz Room, but we have educational component where we teach children how to play jazz instruments and how to learn impeccable timing and how to work collectively together as a group and shine through a trumpet or through a saxophone or through mm-hmm. a trumpet. I know B, you were telling me, because again, you chaired the organization at one point, and I think it makes it rather unique because you know, I told you I had a jazz artist on previously mm-hmm. a few episodes ago, but to have somebody like yourself on that comes from a different angle. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you talked about was the administrative side of it. I, if you could just kind of highlight why is it important for to have these kinds of organizations from that standpoint, not so basically not as an artist, but as an administrative person like yourself. A jazz organization, and there's many of them around the United States, there's Jazz at Lincoln Center. That's the number one that's owned by Wynton Marsalis. You've got Jazz at St. Louis, Jazz at San Francisco, Jazz at Cleveland. These are all, all jazz not-for-profit organizations that have chain of command, people that come together collectively on a board and they make board decisions to uh, how to make how to bring jazz to a region. So you've got two different groupings. You've got musicians, you've got the facility, you've got the instruments itself, and then you've got board members. So Jazz Arts Charlotte used to be called Jazz Arts Initiative. We had a name change under my watch. We're, uh, we're owned by Jazz at Lincoln Center. So Quentin Marsalis had come up here and uh, endorsed us, if you will, a year ago, less than a year ago. And it's so important to have that chain of command to have a board for a not-for-profit such as Jazz. So, so our board is made up of a treasurer, secretary, vice chairman, chairman, and then board members. And then there's separate committees that each board member becomes part of. And these committees help mm. bring Jazz to the area uh, through fundraising, through grants, through corporate donations, corporate donors, because you need money in order to make things grow. And once you have growth, you bring that growth into different areas. So that's what a board does for any kind of not-for-profit, otherwise known as a 501c. But in the jazz community, most jazz boards just try to grow their jazz room, paint the picture of awareness, get some really good acts that come in, maybe do a couple salon parties at people's homes and bring in new donors to the organization, those are patrons, maybe form what's called a guild. That means your best patrons are your little soldiers that go out and tell more people about it. So we have all that in place here at Jazz Art Charlotte. But what separates us from the herd is we have an educational component where we teach children, the youth, how to play instruments. And we are funded from Knight's Foundation. We're funded from the Arts and Science Council that's here in town, Arts and Science, or otherwise known as ASC, 
is a tremendous component to the arts all over the country, but tremendous resources for us here in Charlotte. So they fund many different organizations and they, they like us very much and they fund us nicely. And then the monies are earmarked for specific requirements or specific things that we say we're going to do. So let's talk about education. What we do is we go through the Mecklenburg school systems and we pluck out kids that are interested in excelling in music. And when we find a school that has sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, we might show up in their gymnasium with a jazz band and talk about jazz and talk about where jazz came from. And we have, you know, professional musicians that are doing this during the school day. And these kids are sitting on the floor, make them believe they're playing a trumpet or a trombone or drumming. And that's the very beginning, getting their interests. So we go through a bunch of school systems and then we start getting kids that are interested. And then we have something called jazz in school. And these kids are trained by clinicians, typically over at UNCC. And we have jazz in, I said jazz in school. I'm sorry. I meant to say jazz in session. And it's an after school program. And the idea is to make it free. Do you play an instrument at all? I used to actually play a piano. But you're a pretty good piano player. I wish I was. <laughs> I was more of a vocalist. Okay. When you tap into kids at the age of 12 years old, they're very impressionable. Right. See, sometimes you look at a kid and they don't exactly know what they want to do. You know, it's easy for them to play a video game. But jazz is, is an art. These kids never had that opportunity. I mean, you do in school, especially church. You got band leaders, stuff like that. So these kids have like an advantage. Some of these kids, they already have the bug in their ear to play an instrument. So we have clinicians. We have trained musicians teach these kids on a weekly basis. And then these kids, these kids get really good. I mean, like you'd be blown away how good these kids can get very quickly. So that we got going on here in Charlotte. And it, a lot of it is through the Mecklenburg school system. So these kids, they practice, they train, they practice, they, they grow together, they build bonds together, they understand timing, it's impeccable timing. Because jazz is a music form that you just feed off of each other. All right, now we're back. We're going to talk about how deep fashion is. All right. I'm really excited about this one. One of the things I want to talk to you about, obviously, you know, fashion is deep. You know, we, we were kind of having this conversation before the show. It's much more than just colors and threads and all of those things that people think about, right, when, when they go shopping or whatever, right? There's an art to it, right? And I, I wrote it down. One of the things you said is style is a universal language. Mm-hmm. Sure which is. I agree with people. One of the things I was thinking about is how I went shopping a few weeks ago. I'm looking for some clothes and I want, I'm looking at some clothes. I'm like, Oh, that looks nice, but that doesn't look like me. It's too loud. I try to be low key for me. My clothes 
need to be a little low key because my personality is loud. So it's like, I don't want to be loud, have a loud personality. And then my clothes be loud as well. It's a number of things. So go ahead. I know you have some thoughts. No, yeah, yeah, you, you would look like a hot mess if you got <laughs> clothing overshadows your personality. And some people like that. Everybody's comfortable with it in, in their own skin, and it, it'll blow you away sometimes. Real quickly, yesterday, I'm at the Ballantyne Hotel, and this guy with the chapeau in the sweater, he looked like a bad version of Woody Allen. Mm. <laughs> or some old French dude from Paris. And then he starts talking with the thickest Brooklyn Bronx accent. It was like the look didn't match the voice. Mm-hmm. But what did match was he was living his fashion. He was in his fashion comfort zone. He created his own look that he was comfortable with. Every, every person has that opportunity. Because right. we're all different. We look different, shop different, we have different habits. Some people are shy and they want their clothes to look pretty cool on them, to give them that edge. People are over the top. I know a lot of people that are just way over the top. It's like that way with so many things. You know, if you put on one more accessory, it's an overkill. Some people are minimalists. You know, you wear just a little bit, but the right stuff. I've become that guy. So my background brings me in front of some fairly famous people in the fashion world over years. And a lot of them were really um, impressed with what I do as just as I'm impressed with what they do. Some very famous designers, uh, Project Runway, for example, Tim Gunn. And at the end of the day, this is what I love about fashion. You ready for this one? I'm ready. There's no right and there's no wrong. Oh, man. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) There's no right and there's no wrong. Fashion does not have an instruction manual. Fashion is purely individualized what makes you happy. You could put the coolest looking outfit on somebody and they would hate it. Not because it doesn't look great on them, but they're, they don't need $500 pair of jeans and a $1,000 shirt and a $2,000 jacket. So they won't wear it, even though they could afford it, because it makes them feel overindulging on price when I could get something else that'll look just as good for only $100. So the outfit itself can change one's personality and the outfit could also make somebody feel like a million bucks. It just, there's no right and there's no wrong. There's no law for fashion. The law for fashion is express your own individuality, feel fabulous, in what works for you. You kind of blew my mind there because this is just like the conversation I was having with my friend. I told you I had an art, a visual artist on a few weeks ago and we were talking about, you know, self-expression, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about the same thing with art. You know, and she's a classically trained artist that there are really no, there's no right and no wrong and yeah. that, in art, you should express yourself. And one, it's tripping me out, honestly, how this is coming back up. Because one of the things we were talking about is vulnerability, right? You know, right. how comfortable are you in your own skin? And so to, for us to be talking about fashion, mm-hmm. and again, because you, you, you mentioned it too, like people being comfortable in their own skin to wear 
what they want to wear and what they see fits them. <laughs> Look, I say this. I say this. Our forefathers who created the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and all that stuff, freedom of expression, and there should have been another subtitle that said freedom of fashion flow, to wear what makes you happy. No, there's no law. There's mm -hmm. no law. It, it all comes down to, just like you said before, it all comes down to how do you feel in the clothes? How does it make you feel? I could go to Goodwill and I could find the coolest things for under nine bucks. Mm -hmm. I could put them on and I could go into a nightclub and I can go into a, a lounge somewhere and get, and get compliments left and right. It's how you, it's, it's what you do with what you have and how you feel in it. Oh man, <laughs> that's so spot on. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. If, I, if it wasn't for my friend that that's in fashion and yourself, I would have been completely oblivious, oblivious to how people in the fashion industry think, because I, I'm, I'm pretty sure some people have this misconception that it's like the movie with Meryl Streep, uh, Devil Wears Prada. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, we have these, these stereotypes and this, these stigmas of, about the people that are in the fashion industry. So that's why for, for you to say what you said, it, I'm just like, wow, I, well, I didn't know that you guys pretty much think the same way. Like this fashion is art in, yeah. in itself. So, and that's art. And our forefathers should have said the first amendment they got right, freedom of, exp freedom of the speech. But the second amendment should have been freedom to wear whatever makes you happy. Mm -hmm. That should have been uh, an amendment. That yeah. would be pretty cool back then. Look, look what they wore back then. Do you yeah. see walking down the street looking like that today? Now, I, I will say this, too. A lot of and <laughs> never really told anybody this, but I I'm not a big fan of really watching award shows like the Grammys, Emmys, Neither am I. Uh, academies. But I will say I love watching or looking at the photos the, the, the day after of oh, the, people on the, the red carpet. The war <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I look at I look at some of those, especially it was it was last year somebody one of the actresses she wore a green dress and mm -hmm. i was just like wow in my opinion certain colors may take a little bit more work than others when it comes to pulling them off and so what she did with that green i it just blew me away and i'm like wow that is that is something like that was, it was it was just amazing that that dress and it was it was it wasn't anything crazy in my opinion anything crazy it was something simple and it's like wow but it was it's like a it's like an art it's like watching a moving it, a walking gallery right it, <laughs> when you it, see those on the red carpet it all comes down to expectation you're expected mm -hmm. for a ten thousand dollar outfit minimum mm -hmm. and it has to be by versace or by and anybody who's fancy that's chanel prada all the big names you're expected that's what they expect mm -hmm. i'm the guy would walk down the runway and somebody will say, hey, who are you wearing today? I'll open my jacket and say, I'm wearing the Salvation Army and I'm wearing uh, the, the, these pants are from Goodwill I just or, or Old Navy. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. What matters is how you feel in it. What right. matters is will you wear it again? What mm -hmm. matters is does it move you? Because here's the other thing. When you wear clothing, forget about the price tag. Anyone who pays a lot of money for clothing, just say it's unnecessary mm -hmm. because 
at the end of the day, how you feel in your clothes will A, reflect your mood, B, reflect your work because you're in a happy mood. You can get more, you'll be more productive because you're just a happier person. But it also could lower your stress, which could also alter and change your body through disease because mm-hmm. you've got a better mindset going into the day where you don't have to have, you feel good, you look good, you've been complimented because you just feel what what you've got on works for your particular personality. Mm -hmm. All of that happens on the inside because of what you wore on the outside. Right. It's like they say, look look good, do good, feel good. I mean, yeah. (laughs) You don't look good, we don't look good. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. I've been in the fashion world for a long, long time as a designer and a model and, and, and fashion week and judges and stuff like that. The happiest people are the ones who are proud to, to wear their style openly. Again, style is a universal language. Okay, now for the part that we all have been waiting for, the interview. <laughs> We're, you know, I'm going to go ahead and ask you some questions, Todd, so that the listeners can learn a little bit more about your involvement in Jazz Art Charlotte. So to kind of kick things off, because you, you know, we ended the first segment, you were kind of touching on this. But as far as being able to introduce opportunities to others, what does that feel like for you? How does that feel? What does that do for you? Let me tell you something. When we took the kids, 14, 15 years old, they get so good, they're called the all-stars. Those are the best of the best here in Charlotte, the kids that are part of the, the program. We took them to New Orleans and just to watch them and listen to them and see their reaction to how other people they've never met before perceive them and to have strangers come up to them and say, oh my God, you are so good. It's inspiring. And I've learned in life because I've done a lot of things. Uh, I've done a lot of things pretty good. And I've done a lot of things that maybe I should have done differently. But there's one thing, even if I should have done it differently, if I've inspired somebody, if I've made somebody say, you know what, I'm going to stick with this instrument. You know what, maybe this instrument didn't work out for me. But what I learned from playing that instrument, I could put into other parts of my life. Can't take that, can't take that away. That's a great feeling to inspire people. And that's what I, I get most out of it is to, to watch and to have known that I can inspire people. That's really great. Really noble too. Oh yeah. So how did you get involved with Jazz Art Charlotte? Well, uh, there's a guy in town uh, his name is Ronnie Bryant. Uh, Ronnie was uh, working for Charlotte Regional Partnerships, and they bring big companies into Charlotte. And he's really, uh, he was almost like a mentor to me at one point. He was on the board as a board member, and he said to me, you know, you, you should be involved in this. You would fit right in. And uh, he brought me to a board meeting. That was seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. Since then, I enjoyed it enough to remain on the board. Then I became his vice chairman. 
And then I became somebody else's vice chairman. And then I became the chairman and I became the chairman again. So I was two years vice chairman, two years chairman, and now okay. uh, the immediate past chair. So I've completed the cycle. I've stayed on this board or involvement with Jazz Art Charlotte now for my seventh year. Oh, man. The board only allows you, the bylaws only allow you to stay on for six years. But when you leave on the sixth year as chairman, they encourage you to stay one more year because you've got all the connections. You're well connected in the community. And right. that's right now. I've got four months left. <laughs> now, let me tell you, Jazz Art Charles is not the only game in town. There's a lot of other jazz groups in town. So what I'm happy about is that under my reign as chairman and vice chairman, we've made Charlotte a jazz region, a jazz region. There's many to choose, not many, but there are others to choose, but it brings people here. It brings acts here and it brings education here. That's great. Yeah. Um, talk about making an impact. Yeah, exactly right. And so, and you've been doing this for seven years and obviously you've, you've done a lot and you got to experience a lot. Oh yeah. See a lot. What's been your biggest takeaway? Probably going to New Orleans with these kids and watching them open up. They're good. And when they get there, they're just on fire. They're, I'll never forget just, just hanging out with them. I, I, I felt like watching a flower bloom and you're right there in real time. That was one of my big takeaways is going with these kids to New Orleans and experiencing that. Another big takeaway is we've changed our name from Jazz Art Charlotte. A jazz Arts Initiative, the Jazz Art Charlotte. We had Wynton Marsalis come to town. That was a good takeaway. Uh, plus, um, growing the jazz room, you know, to a sellout crowd month after month. Feels good being being part of that, being a part of the teamwork to make that happen. That's good. That's really I good. Say to, I always say to people, um, life begins outside your comfort zone, especially if you're a kid. Life begins outside your comfort zone. So if you could get comfortable with being uncomfortable, that means you can play a jazz instrument and get used to it. You could do anything. Okay. That is really impressive stuff. And I can only imagine how good it feels to yeah. you know, be able to experience all of that and be, you know, be a part of someone's success. growth. Yeah. And success. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really? Go ahead. Really the growth end. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> really quick before I let you go, if you could give the listeners some information as far as where they can, might can find out more about Jazz Art Charlotte in case they want to get involved or anything. And, and also, they want to keep it tasked with, on you. Uh, if there's anywhere that they can find you or anything like that, go, go ahead and let them know, please. Surely. Be more than happy to. If anybody wants to learn more about jazz here in the Queen City, Charlotte, and see these kids uh, perform, check out our website right out the gate. So the website would be www thejazzarts.org thejazzarts.org that's the website the jazz room is located on the corner of college and fifth it's the back end of the blumenthal and it is called by name the stage door theater so it's a small black box theater you're encouraged to take photographs when you're in there during the show and live facebook or instagram or whatever you want to do it's like you're being in New Orleans or you're in Chicago or you're in New York. It's a real great, great, big, nice stage. It's very intimate. 
couple of tables up front with candles and then stadium seating. The monthly series is the third Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of every month. And there's two shows, a, uh, a six o'clock show and an 8.15 show. But on, fr- on Saturdays, it's a seven o'clock show and a 9.15 show. And again, that email address is the Jazz Arts. Uh, the website is thejazzarts.org. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. You guys definitely make sure that uh, you go and check that out. There's a rewind button if you need to rewind and write it down. So definitely go out, check them out, show your support. And if you want to get involved, definitely go to the website and look at more information about that. Really quick, thank you, Todd. Thank you for coming on the show. It's definitely been a pleasure. Definitely going to have to have you back on in the future. So thank you again. And thank you to the listeners for continuing to look, tune in and show your support for the same show. It really means a lot. Again, go check go check out our guests and Jazz Art Charlotte. And also be sure to check out the same show on social media and listen and get yourself caught up on all the other episodes as well. And with that being said, you are listening to the same show, the show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out. Mm-hmm.